Chapter Two of That House I Bought by Henry Edward Warner. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two, Second Period. Heaven bless Murphy. When my wife was a little girl with braids down her back, Murphy used to see her in the excited crowd in front of the neighbor's door, as he toted a grand piano to the waiting van. Many a time Murphy has started to give that little girl a penny because she was so cute. Many a time he has reconsidered and kept the penny himself. It was Murphy who moved us. He is anywhere from seventy to ninety years old now, a stalwart, steel-muscled young fellow who runs his own wagon and lifts his end of the heaviest burden with a heart as light as his chest is deep and his back broad. His beard is long and white. How we tore up our old rooms and saw our furniture hustled out, how we looked regretfully back at the den we had papered and fixtured ourselves, with its rich red base and green forest over that, and the light sky. That is all another story. It is another story, too, how mother-in-law bustled here and there helpfully, and every now and then added something of her own to our belongings, and how Mamie telephoned every one she knew that we were moving to that house I bought these are things we think of but do not write murphy was indefatigable we thought we had a load more than murphy made it what with shifting this and changing that and substituting something and stuffing small truck under tables and empty boxes that we wanted for our conservatory my wife watched him in admiration mr murphy she said you would be invaluable to the united railways as a conductor on the druid hill avenue line when the last load was about to leave my wife rushed to the door oh mr murphy couldn't you take that couch upstairs and drop it off at murphy smiled and glanced at the wagon with things tied on over the wheels and the china closet swinging perilously far out on the tailpiece i can do it he said if i carry the china closet on my lap murphy intended that as a jest my wife hadn't thought of the possibilities of murphy's lap the instant he mentioned it she darted back into the house quickly to reappear with a double armful of odds and ends that she couldn't get into the suitcases and trunks it's mighty kind of you she said with the sort of smile that nailed me fifteen years ago if you can just carry these little things in your lap murphy is a game one when he drove away murphy's lap looked like the market burden of a suburbanite and because he was so cheerful about it and so willing to do so much for so little and because he is such a good citizen again i say heaven bless murphy after Murphy had moved us in, our real troubles began. I should have said our real joys, for, believe me, the infant troubles of owning your castle are so refined and glorified by the pride of possession that they appear only as strengthening alloy in the pure gold of content. It was on Thursday and Friday that Murphy moved us. On Saturday I went to the house, and the lady who will hereafter listen for the tinkle of the door and telephone bells met me, brimming over with cheerfulness, and almost as proud of herself as I was of the lord of the manor, who strutted like a peacock, as for the first time he showed his feathers in his own yard. Never praise your wife too much, or she will dominate you. 
but as this is to be a truthful chronicle be it said that my wife is the most wonderful woman in the world how on earth she ever got the chairs and tables the china closet and dishes the cooking hardware and beds and mattresses and my desk and revolving bookcase and heaven knows what all in place in one day is beyond me there were pictures on the walls old friends in new places looking down to greet me a foolish billiken laughed out loud as i held up my hands in amazement step high and easy said my wife you'll scratch the hardwood floor and she rubbed my heel print from the polish with the hem of her working skirt then we started around testing the push buttons we pushed every button there was and pulled down the curtains to try the effect in the parlor and dining-room she hauled me around and showed me the marvellous gas range that she was going to do wonders with that refrigerator that was yet to have its first load of ice and provisions it made me hungry just to look at it we went upstairs and downstairs i opened and closed every window and made wise foolish observations on the proper care of a home a man can be a fearful idiot when his chest is out i chucked my coat and cuffs and collar and went to work on little odds and ends of chores about the place hasn't a fellow a right to whistle and sing when he comes home from foraging and finds the ladybird dancing around the new nest there was a thermometer on top of the furnace in the basement and beside it a round thing to tell how much water we were catapulting into the radiators when there is too much water it overflows from a tank upstairs when there isn't enough you turn some in downstairs so i started a march up and down stairs first turning some on and then scooting skyward to listen to the overflow and after making this trip about ten times i had an appetite like a typhoid convalescent oh the tintinabulation of the bells there are church bells and wedding bells bells that cry the joy of a new birth or toll the sorrow of the huddled family bells that ring victory in war and bells that scream the hilarity of la fiesta but for the bell that speaks the common language of all men i name the dinner bell the first biscuits were piping hot on the plate are they as good as your mother used to make asked my wife my mother i said was a piker at biscuit-making and she beamed with pleasure when i slandered my honoured mother after the dinner we went out on the porch the big wide porch for which we had planned a swing on chains and sat rocking and digesting digesting and rocking in a perfect picture of resident domesticity in the house across the street there were lights the people had just moved in that is they had moved in several days before and were just beginning to find the trouble with things and why the gas company could afford to pay considerable dividends on wind i say we were sitting there as comfy as possible when my wife caught my hand in a convulsive grip with the other hand she pointed across the street to the second parlour blind i followed her and felt like a peeping tom there on the blind was a great picture in silhouette a picture of two figures standing and the tall masculine figure was holding both shoulders of the other and looking square into her eyes it's the daughter my wife almost whispered i know her by her hair ribbon it's too young for the mother look look they are going to kiss 
she finished the word with a little gurgle for they had done it not only that but the kiss was followed by an embrace and another and then the lights went out a confounded belt had slipped at the powerhouse i learned afterward i think corporations should be heavily penalized for such breaks in the service there should be some sort of appliance to keep belts from slipping more than once the belt has slipped and left that whole resident district in darkness End of chapter two